Lord, I could really use some candy right now. Oh, we should probably let the kids have it first. That's a decent thing to do, right? You know what I always say? I help those who help themselves. Usually the moment where I say, what's up next level? I think this is the moment where I just say, what <laughs> is up next level? <laughs> so awesome. Well, what's up, everybody? Man, happy Father's Day. Come on, if your dad is with you or in your memory or in your heart, come on, give it up for the dads. Yes. And I want to honor, uh, obviously, I want to honor my dad, uh, Harold Keller, who uh, has meant so much to me uh, my whole life, actually. As a, he has been in my life my whole life, and I'm just so thankful. Some of you will get that, like, on the way out of church today. You're like, now that's a really funny joke. So I want to honor my dad. I love that my parents live here in Southwest Florida and are part of our church and a part of our family, a part of Team Keller. Keep our world moving. So I honor you today, Dad, and on Father's Day. And then I want to honor three other dads today, and that is uh, our three campus pastors, Pastor Josh Holman, Pastor Charles Ross at Benita Springs, and Pastor Kyle Jackson, our interim Gateway Campus pastor. To all three of those men of God, uh, they have incredible families, uh, and they're great earthly dads, uh, but they are also incredible spiritual dads dads, if you will, spiritual fathers to each one of our locations, and they just help Sarah and I carry the load spiritual here at our church. So come on, every location, give it up for your campus pastor, Pastor Charles, Pastor Kyle, Pastor Josh, we honor you today. Come on, locations, give it up for your campus pastors. Yes, we love them, we love them, we love them. And dads, I want to I challenge you. I want to share something uh, with you out of, out of the word uh, just for a couple minutes. And we're going to get to the Jesus uh, never said that part three deal. We're going to get to that just in a second. But if you're a dad, I, I just want to share something with you. And this is actually a word that the Lord dropped in my heart for you for this weekend, for Father's Day weekend. And believe it or not, God stirred this in my heart last November. Okay, so this is like a word, what, seven or eight months in the making. So come on, dads. Let me, let me share this word with you, and I love this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he's encouraging the leaders there. And I love it, that inside of it, I've never seen this before. It's so, so awesome that inside of this, this letter to a church, to a group of church leaders, he, he drops a little dad nugget wisdom on us. Come on, dads. Anybody ready for a little dad wisdom this weekend? Check this out. Look at this verse. I think it's going to be on the screen. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 says this, for you know that we dealt with each of you. So he's talking about how they as church leaders were dealing with people in the church. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. There it is. There's this little, and then that he goes right on. And look what he says. Here's how a, a good father deals with his children. Get this, dads. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. He says, we were dealing with you 
as your leaders, we dealt with you like a good father deals with his children. And when I read this several months ago, I just I was in my, in my chair at home, and I just started to journal for, about you, about us dads. I'm a dad. And all of a sudden, I saw those three words. Did you catch them? And they like jumped off the page at me. And I just thought, you know what? If I could just take a couple of minutes and just share with every dad in the room, every grandpa in one of our locations today, I just want to encourage you with these three words. What does it look like to be a good dad? Did you catch it? For you know that we dealt with you. Each of you as a father deals with his own children. Then he says, encouraging. Hey, dads, you know what? Our kids have a lot of critics in their world today. What if we as dads made a decision that we were going to be the chief encourager of our kids? Like, what if, what if we didn't have to live vicariously through them? Like, what if we let them out of that pressure? Like, what if, dads, what if we just had a chance to just, at every turn, instead of being their critic, we were their encourager? Paul says that's what a good dad does. A good dad encourages his kids. A good dad is, is their number one, uh, not just fan or cheerleader, but number one encourager. Uh, dads, let's set our hearts on that. How's that sound? What if this year, dads, we made a decision to just be the, the chief encouragement officer, the CEO. See what I did there? The chief encouragement officer of our kids. Then he says, uh, we treated you, we dealt with you as a father deals with his children, encouraging. Then he says, comforting. Comforting. In other words, Dads, I think you and I have a responsibility to not just pass over or gloss over or make light of our kids' emotions. And maybe some of us, listen, I get it, maybe some of us weren't raised that way. Like maybe the, the dad in our life, the men in our life growing up said things to us like, hey, listen, men don't cry. Boys don't cry. Big girls don't cry. Hey, suck it up, all right? Listen, get, don't be a baby. Can I just tell you, that's just, not, that's just not good advice. That Paul says, you know what good dads do? Good dads comfort. You know why? Because here's the thing, dads. Think of this. Our kids will, will begin to make um, um, impressions. They will, begin to we, they will form their beliefs about their heavenly father based on us, their earthly father. Now, that shouldn't, like, make us scared. That should challenge us. So dads, on this Father's Day weekend, I just want to challenge us. Let's be our kids' comfort. Let's pull them up close to us or our grandkids and go, you know what? It's okay to feel the way you feel. And good news, your he our Heavenly Father cares about how we feel. So listen, if you want to cry, cry. If you want to get angry for a little while, get angry for a little while. Okay, and we're just going to take that to God. We're just going to give those emotions to God because our Father in Heaven cares about us. Does that make sense? So Paul says, man, I, I just want to encourage you. We dealt with you like a good father, encouraging, comforting. And then here's the last little one, and then we'll just move on. He says, Ur urging. Hey, dads, we're, we're to be our kids' urgers. And did you hear what he said? He said, we dealt with you as our own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you, here's the urge, to live lives worthy of God. That's what we're called to do, dads. We're called to encourage our kids, to urge our kids not to be like us. We're called to urge our kids not to be great at sports or to urge them to be good at music or the arts or to urge them to be good at math. No, no, no. You know what our primary responsibility as dads is? To urge them to live a life worthy of God. 
So dads, happy Father's Day. I get it. Being a dad is hard. Come on, dads. Can I get an amen? Being a dad is the hardest thing I've ever done. Being on a stage talking to all of you jokers, this is easy. <laughs> Going home when my kids got issues and problems, I'm like, I don't know. Go ask your mom. <laughs> Anybody else, dad? Like, for real. I'm like, what in the world? Like, God, what? Help me. Well, dads, what if God saying to us this weekend, you want to help them? Encourage them, comfort them, and urge them to live a life worthy of God. If, I think, if, dads, if this year, if we can aim at that target, I think we'll be doing all right. Amen? Hey, everybody, can we just pray for our dads? It, it ain't easy being a dad these days. And if my mom will tell me I shouldn't be using the word ain't. But it ain't easy, right, dad? It ain't easy. So come on, Lord, I just thank you for every dad represented in this church. God, there are hundreds and hundreds. And there are thousands of dads and grandpas in this place or that, that, are, that influence the next generations of our world, our culture, our society, our cities, and our families. And so, Lord, I pray for every dad today that you would strengthen us with your strength, that you would, you would give us the, the ability, God, to be a good encourager to our kids and our grandkids, to be a, a good comforter to our kids like you, God, are our comforter, and to be a good urger of our kids, not to urge them to good works and to, to, to better sports and all of that. Yeah, that's fine, and it has a place. God, you want us to urge our kids to live a life worthy of you. So God... I pray that every dad would just set his mind and his heart, his, his target on that. There are a whole lot of pressures on dads today. And I pray in Jesus' name, you would help us to be encouragers, comforters, and urgers of our kids in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give it up for the dads. So uh, a long time ago, like a, a while ago, we saw the most goofy, ridiculous video. Don't you love our creative arts team? Don't they do such a good job? And aren't you thankful for Pastor Lucas, <laughs> otherwise known as the guy playing Jesus? I would say otherwise known as Jesus, but no, 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 no. We're not going there. And don't worry, parents, he works in our kids' ministry. It's cool. You know what, though? We love, we love our team. We love how, how I'm so thankful for our creative arts team that just puts those videos together. And as you saw, that dad in the story had an issue, a temptation. He wanted the candy. And so he thinks to himself, God helps those who helps, help themselves, right? And therein, come on, maybe throw it up on the screen, therein lies the, the myth, the lie that we're going to dispel this weekend. Come on, all of our locations, read it, say it with me. God helps those who help themselves. We've all said it. We've all heard it said, haven't we? Well, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Hey, guess what? Jesus never said that. I love this series because through the weeks of this series, we're talking about some of these, these quips, these quotes that, that in our world today just kind of just get thrown out. And if we're not careful, they'll start to affect our belief system. Even as Christians, we start to, if you hear something enough, you start to believe that it's true. Well, this is not true. It's, it's American, but it's not true. God helps those who help themselves. That sure does fit with our American belief system, doesn't it? But it's not, it's not true. And yet we buy into it. 
And the reason why, I think, is because we're selfish. As human beings, we're, we're selfish. And, and the truth of the matter is when we really think about this idea, well, you know, God helps those who help themselves, it really comes down to control, doesn't it? It really comes down to our selfish sin nature. It really almost comes down to a works mentality, doesn't it? Well, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. That, that would make a great coffee cup. It just doesn't make good scripture. Right? So here's the deal. We're going to dispel this myth. I want to take a few minutes this weekend, and I want to dispel this lie that says God helps those who help themselves. Because it's, it's actually not what Scripture says. Scripture actually points to quite the opposite. Look at some of these verses. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. The generous will prosper. Not those who hoard, but those who are generous. Th those are the people that will prosper. Those, those who refresh others will themselves be Refresh. The, the word says that when we get out of ourselves and, and help others, when we refresh others, that there's a refreshment that comes to us. Look at this one, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. God's not unjust. He will not forget our work. And look at this, the love you've shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. In other words, God doesn't forget, not when we help ourselves. No, no, no. God doesn't forget when we help Others, God remembers when we help others. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that, here's the purpose. God blesses us abundantly so that in all things at all times, we would have all that we need, not want, but need, and you will abound, look at this, in every good work. In other words, God blesses us not so we can keep it all for ourselves, but so we can bless Others, so, so here's the deal. If, if I had to, to put this into a big idea, if we're going to dispel the myth that God helps those who help themselves, here's how I think it's better stated. Here's the truth. God helps us so we can help others. That's the truth. God helps us so we can help others. Come on, every location, say it with me. God helps us so we can help. Uh, one more time, louder. Come on, everybody. God helps us so we can help others. Well, if that's true, and it is, then let's take a couple of minutes, and, and I actually want to talk in a couple directions today about, about what this means for us. That if it's true that God helps us so we can help others, then the first thing we need to know about that is that then, then we need to develop helping hands. Then, then this matters, I say that what I'm saying is I'm, this, this matters in a very practical way. That God wants us as his children, as Christians, as followers of Christ, God wants us to be helping others as a lifestyle in what we do, in what we say every single day. God wants us to be looking for ways to help others. He wants us to develop helping hands. So let's go practical for a few minutes, and then where I want to end the message today, I, I want to end by, by talking about, about the heart issue of this whole thing, but let's start practically, shall we? What does this look like? Well, let me give you an acronym around this word HELP, H-E-L-P, HELP, H-E-L-P. What does this look like? Because so often when we talk about, yeah, yeah, that's good, we should help others, how do I do that, right? Like, we're like, I don't even know what that means. Like, where do I start, right? And, and as Christians, we're so prone oftentimes to overthinking things like this. We're like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? Helping others. I'm going to need to fast and pray. <laughs> Maybe. 
Don't overthink it. Ready? H-E-L-P. Ready? Well, see, if you can, see if you can lock this in to your memory. How, how, do, we, how do we do this? Well, it starts, number one, is, is our hands. Is our hands. In other words, what, what do we have at our disposal, our, our energy, our talents, even just simple abilities to help other people? What if God could use those? For example, that neighbor that you keep getting frustrated with four doors down because they aren't mowing their yard like everybody else on your street and it's been weeks. What if tomorrow morning you got up and said, I'm going to push my little mower down there and I'm going to mow their yard. No fanfare, no pomp and circumstance. Just go mow their yard. 5 a.m., go mow their yard. <laughs> Wait, don't do that. <laughs> Not helpful. Not helpful. Don't do it. But maybe around 10, maybe around 7 in the evening or something. Like, 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 if, you're, like if you're a handyman, like if you're good with your hands, what if, what if you offered that help to your neighbors? What if you offered that to someone in, your, in, in one of our locations, whoever you go to church with, and you, you, you overhear that they have some issues going to a leaky faucet or a, a leaky toilet, and you said, well, I can do something about that. What if you watch a, 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 a mom's kids for a couple hours so she can go out and shop or, or grocery shop or go to a movie, and you said, you know what, we're, or, or a young couple that has new kids, and you're like, you know what, bring the kids over, we'll come over to you, we'd love to babysit for free just so you and your husband or your wife can go out and have a date night on us. That's a way we can help, right? Amen, everybody? We can help people like that, or, or if someone's moving, you can help them move, or let them use your truck. Right? There's, there's a million ways for us to practically with our hands. Here's the question. What do you have in your hands that God could use to help someone else? Right? God helps us so we can help others. That's the H. Here's the E. Everyone say E. e. The E is for experience or experiences. Here's, here's what I'm getting at. Every one of us have experienced things in our life. We've lived through and survived some circumstances, some trials, some valleys. And watch this. What if what we've experienced in the past and all of the wisdom and life experience that we've gained from it, what if God could use that to help someone else? Church, listen. Your greatest testimony comes from your greatest tests. Oh, I could preach right now. If I had an organ, wait, no, 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 just kidding. But if I had an organ, no, just wait. Our greatest testimony comes from our greatest test, but watch this. Human nature works against us on this one. You know why? Because we want to teach people from our successes. But the power comes from teaching people from our, our hardships, our troubles, our trials, and our, and our failures. People would rather hear about your mistakes than your successes. But watch, here's what human nature does. Human nature says, human nature says, uh, if I've gone through a valley, if I've gone through a trial, if I've gone through trouble, if I've gone through hardship, then, then once I'm past it, I want to try and forget about that as fast as I possibly can. Right? That, like, that's what we do. We go, oh, well, that's, oh, yeah, 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 I went through that, but oh, I made it on the other side now. But guess what? What if God wants to bring, what if God wants to use what he brought you through 
for someone he's about to bring that to. Oh, come on, Oregon. What? Come on. What if whatever God brought you through is meant to help someone he's bringing that to? God wants to use it. So come on, everybody. God, what, what have you been through that God could use? Man, I look at our story. <laughs> it's, you guys know that we, we coach pastors. We have this thing called Next Level Coaching, and we have 110 pastors in our Next Level Coaching Network this year that represent over 40,000 people that on a monthly basis we're impacting. As a matter of fact, I want to ask you to pray for us. Because this week, we fly to Atlanta for our mid-year meetup. So there are 110 pastors who are flying in literally from across the country to Atlanta for two days of coaching, of we call it brotherhood, where we're just together, where we're eating meals together, where we're praying for each other, taking communion together, just, just being the body of Christ to these pastors. Well, you know where that burden came from in us? It came in us because 16 years ago when we moved here, Matt and Sarah Keller had nobody. And we were all alone and we were broke and we were confused and we were, we were, we were all alone and we, just, we were so lonely and we felt like, man, we were so clueless, like what we would give to have some other pastors around us who could give us advice and could pray for us and could lift up our arms and encourage us. So guess what we did? We started a thing called Next Level Coaching that helps pastors not feel discouraged, not feel alone, not feel confused, not feel quite so clueless. Our test became our testimony. And today there are so many churches across the country who are impacted. Why? Because we allowed what God brought us through to help someone that God's bringing that to. So what's he brought you through? Come on, some of you, you have been through the throes of addiction. And God has delivered you. And you are walking in freedom today. Guess what? That your greatest test is becoming your greatest testimony. Some of you know what it is to walk through seasons of suffering where you have suffered financially or emotionally. You've walked through seasons of depression and God's brought you through it. Well, guess what? Somebody needs your testimony. Some of you have walked through heartbreak and you have experienced bone-crushing heartbreak in your life. And you've looked on and you've wondered, God, why? Is it possible that the God why is a God who? Some of us have had medical diagnoses or family members who have battled cancer or been in situations medically that have just been overwhelming for you. But God's been faithful and God showed up in your darkest hour. In church, I want to challenge you. God helps us so we can help others. We need your story. We need your testimony. Some of you have been through traumatic experiences. Some of you have been through domestic violence and abuse. But God's been faithful and you've gotten help. And God's delivered you and rescued out of you out of that. God wants to use you. Some of you have been through infertility. But God's given you a child. Guess what? We need your story. We're, there's couples right now in our church who are believing God. Well, listen, we need your hope. We need your story. Some of you used to be a single mom, but your kids are grown now. And God's delivered you and been with you and walked with you. We need you. There are other single parents in this church who need your story, need your testimony that's going to give them hope. Hope will rise. 
We overcome, the Bible says, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Your testimony gives the ability for someone else to overcome. So what have I walked through that someone else is walking into? That's the E. That's the experience. Here's the L, and it's this, the look. Very simply, it's look. One of the easiest ways to see where God's giving us an opportunity to help someone else is to simply open our eyes to the needs around us. Here's how Jesus said it. I love this in Matthew chapter 5. Give to those who ask. Well, that's straightforward. Got anybody that's asking? Got anyone who's going on a missions trip this summer or fall? Well, give. Give to those who ask. And don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Come on, neighbors that never bring back the weed whip. It's a command. I got to let you borrow it. Give to those who ask. Guys, this is, here's what the Bible says. To whom much is given, much is required. Hey, church, I don't know if you've noticed. We've been given much. Even the least among us, even the poorest among us has been given much. Well, to whom much is given, much is required. God's requiring much of us, church. And he's calling us as his children to open our eyes and look. Look for opportunities to be a blessing. And I want to tell you about an opportunity, and our team's going to tell you more about it in the weeks to come. But on Saturday, July 14th, Saturday, July 14th is National Serve Day. And we're going to be partnering once again this year with hundreds and hundreds of churches across the country and literally around the world. This thing's caught on. And tens of thousands of people are going to be invading their cities in the name of Jesus to serve with the love of Jesus like crazy. And we're one of them. So all of our location pastors are looking right now for opportunities for us to serve. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your phone right now and go to the Next Level Church app or go to the Next Steps area at your location as soon as this service dismisses and sign up. Register for Serve Day because we're going to blitzkrieg. That's such a good word. Come on, German. Deutschland, World Cup. What up? Listen, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna blanket our cities of Southwest Florida this summer, July 14th, with the love of Jesus. The orange shirts are coming. And we're going to serve like crazy. And we need you. Dads, listen, let me challenge you. Come on, fathers. Let me challenge you. You've been, you want to you you model for your kids? Then sign up your whole family. Get out and serve as a family. I'm telling you, there's something special that happens. When, when we as families and when we as dads don't relegate that or delegate that, but we lead the charge and say, we're going to go get our hands dirty and we're going to be a blessing to someone in need. We're gonna, our teams are looking for needs right now and God's going to use us. So dads, come on, register your family. So L is look. L is look. All right, here's the P. P is provision. Provision. Oftentimes we think, oh, well, I don't know where to start. How do I help people? And God helps us so we can help others. What does that look like? Okay, what does that mean? Well, here's the deal. Provision. One of the ways we can help people is to be generous with our financial resources. And see, when we put God first, when we give here at Next Level Church, I want you to know when you give, you're helping others because we are in the helping people business. When you tithe, when you give God the first 10% of all of your increase, guess what? Guess what? God blesses it. 
When we give above and beyond the tithe, the first step is the first 10%, but when we give above and beyond the tithe, we call it around here kingdom builders. Guess what? We are, we are making it happen. We are making it possible for people to get benevolence help on a weekly basis. We in our locations have the ability to be a blessing to people who have fallen on hard times who are part of this church. We make it possible for teenagers to go to summer camp. We make it possible for hundreds of kids to be impacted in all of our kids' ministries every single weekend. Wednesday nights are Collide Student Ministry. When we give... We make it possible for hundreds of teenagers to experience God in a, in a real and a personal, a tangible way. When you give, you're responsible for feeding hungry families and helping to provide clothes and shoes for children who are going back to school. You make it possible to provide medical assistance and, and medical needs with our Dream Center downtown. Giving aid that way, we're sending students in just a week or so to Collide Conference. We've got several hundred of our young people, yeah, going to Collide Conference. And then there's our global partnerships. And what we're able to do as Next Level Church to partner with, with ministries and missionaries who go literally to the four corners of the earth. It's incredible. Just uh, a couple weeks ago, I got um, uh, pictures from one of our missionaries, Kelly and Kathy Johnson, who are training pastors in Kenya, Africa. And they sent us pictures of these pastors who, who are doing the work of God in their, their villages, in the remote places of Kenya. And I got pictures, and they're holding up my God of the Underdogs book, my Key to Everything book, and John Maxwell's Developing the Leader Within You 2.0 book. And they were, they were, that they, they, you should have seen the smile on the faces of these African pastors to have that kind of leadership resource and training. I texted John the pictures just yesterday and I said, John, thank you for being faithful to use your gift. And he, you know what he wrote back? He wrote back and said, well, thank you and Next Level Church for using your gifts because together we're making a difference in Africa, you guys. It's awesome. When you give, you're a part of that. You're making it possible for people to not just have their physical needs met. You're making it possible for people to be impacted with the love of Jesus every day. So here's a question when it comes to our provision. Are we a river or are we a, res a reservoir? When it comes to finances, are we a river? Does it flow through us? Or are we a reservoir? Does it just flow to us? Can God trust us with more? That if he blesses us with more, gives us more, entrusts us with more, that it'll flow through us? Or does it just stop with us and it just kind of flows to us? So we need to develop helping hands. Hands, experiences, looking, and provision. H-E-L-P. Here's the second big thought. Number two, number two. I need to develop a helping heart. I need to develop a helping heart. See, here's the reality. We can talk about everything we just talked about for the last 10 or 12 minutes, and guess what? That's all good and fine, but the truth is we can do that without a lot of God's help. But I think what God's really after, church, if it's true that God helps us so we can help others, I think what God's really after is not just our hands, not just what we do. He's always after our heart because, see, that, this speaks to our motivation. And here's why this matters. Because we can talk about doing good. But 
At some point, there's going to be a time in our future where, where we don't have it in us anymore to do good. We feel like we've gotten to the end of ourselves. Well, at that moment, we, our motivation has to be something greater than just doing good. Because it's not just humanitarian. It's spiritual. Look how, how the Apostle John writes about it in 1 John chapter 4. He says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. That's the doing good part. For, but, and look what he says. For love comes from God. So it's not just about doing humanitarian things in humanitarian ways. No, no, no. It's not just about good for good's sake. No, no, no. It's about reflecting something greater. It's about the heart motivation of loving God and receiving God's love. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. And then I love the statement, for God is love. And then he goes on in verse 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. You want to know what real love is? You want to know the real motivation of helping others? It's the love of God. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And what John is saying here is, listen, because we have received his love, we now have a greater motivation. It's not just about doing good and helping people because it's the helping people kind of thing to do. No, it's greater. We, the children of God, of all people, should know this. Why do we help pastors? Because we lived it. And there are days, listen, where I don't want to answer another pastor's phone call. I don't want to pour out into pastors. I'm tired. I got a church to pastor and run. But the love of God compels us because we've been given much. We can't help but give much. Ephesians 5, follow God's example. That God so loved the world. That's the model. That's the heart. That's the motivation for why we do this. Follow God's example in everything you do, just as, as a much-loved child imitates his father. God's called us to imitate the heart of a father, and the heart of our heavenly father is generous. And when we have the heart of the father full in us, verse 2, we can be full of love for others. Following the example of Christ. That's why we do what we do. God has helped us, so we can't help but help others. I love it. The, the scripture speaks to the attitude of Christ. Check it out, Philippians chapter 2. Don't be selfish. Don't try and impress others. That's not why we do this. That's not why, why do we help others? We help others not to try and be, hey, look how awesome we are. No, 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 it's not about that. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest. That's what the world does. The world looks out for its own interest. The world gives to get. The world makes it all about them. God says, no, 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 man, let the, let, the, let the motivation, let the heart behind it be something way better than that. Take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude. There it is. Look, that Christ Jesus had. What was Christ's motivation? Why in the world would he come and die for fallen sinful humanity that had turned its back on him? Because the Father's love compelled him. And the Bible says, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
do it like that. So church, I'm challenging you this weekend. Come on, next level. I'm challenging you this weekend. It is a lie that God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> the truth is, God helps us so that we can help others. The truth is, God has so helped us when we were dead and in our sin, when we were hopeless and dying, when we were living an aimless, purposeless life, God helped us. And because of his great love, it compels us. We can't help but help others. Amen? Come on, everybody. Let's pray together. Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. We're so thankful. We're so humbled, God, that you reached down when we couldn't help ourselves. When we were dead in sin, you reached down and helped us like crazy. And God, we're so thankful for that this weekend. Heavenly Father, on this Father's Day, we thank you that you helped us. Not because we were good enough or tried hard enough or we're helping ourselves. No, no, no. You helped us because we couldn't help ourselves. You helped us so that we could be a blessing and show the love of Christ to others. Now, Lord, I pray for every father to lead the charge. I pray for every family to engage. I pray that there would be hundreds upon hundreds of us who go to next steps right now. In just a few minutes, as soon as we're done in this service and we go and we sign up, we register for serve day and we, we get it locked in on our calendar. God, I pray you would give us eyes to see our neighbors who need us, our coworkers who need us, our, our fellow classmates and friends who need us to serve them, to help them because it would be a representation of Christ to them. God, let that attitude like you had be in us that the world might know, that the world might see that when they couldn't help themselves, our Heavenly Father reached down from heaven, sent His Son to die on a cross so that we could receive the help and hope we need from You. God, we want to be Your hands. We want to be Your feet to a dying, hurting, and broken world. And we want, most of all, to represent Your heart, the heart of a loving, heavenly Father. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone at every location who agreed said, amen. Come on, can we thank God?